welcome on into the Unabated Podcast. It is a good trio for us here today on a wonderful beginning of the March Madness Tournament. Officially, Selection Sunday has come and gone, and now here we are on the cusp of the play-in games, and that means we're so close to round one. Peter Jennings and Captain Jack joining me here today. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of these individual games, but really, we want to get a bit more into the process here on this show, especially Peter, Jack, I'm looking forward to hearing how you guys are approaching some of these round one games and how you're going to transition into round two of the tournament as well. But for now, we still have some play in games tonight. And Jack, I know that uh, you've uh, you've had your fair share of interesting stories come out of the play in games. Is that right? I have I've actually attended the play in games in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, it's a, a bit of an underwhelming experience because this arena just sits on the edge of the University of Dayton. Dayton's kind of a sleepy town. Across the parking lot from the arena, there's a Marriott Hotel. And I happen to be on business in my former life. Uh, I was on business in Dayton. The vendors that we were meeting, they were like, hey, come to the play-in games. This is amazing stuff. You got to come see this. So I went to a I think it was Liberty versus Middle Tennessee State. Um, it wasn't anything spectacular. And we were staying at the Dayton Marriott there across the parking lot. So after the game, uh, I went over to the Dayton Marriott and the guys I was with was like, okay, I'll meet you in the hotel bar in five minutes, Jack. Like, all right. You know, so I go up to my room, drop my stuff off, come back out. And I was on the third floor. I was on the penthouse level of the Dayton Marriott there. And as I pressed the button to go to the down elevator, this guy walks up to also go downstairs, and it's Craig Sager from TNT. You know, he's since died of, of cancer, but this was several, several years ago. And the, th the amazing thing about this story is Craig Sager is wearing, I remember this guy was known for his outlandish suits and everything. He's wearing blue jeans and a baby blue sweatshirt, and that's it, <laughs> just casual as could be. So we ride the elevator all three floors down and we get to the lobby and the doors open and Craig Sager turns to me and he he puts out his hand. Now, he may have just been saying you first, you can go first out of the elevator, um, but he did say it was, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I figured he was shaking my hand. So I, I reached out and shook his hand as well. And I just remember that there was a bunch of groupies all in the lobby area there, because remember, this is a big deal in Dayton. Uh, they they were all like, who's this guy that Craig Sager's talking to? And what, you know, it was a pleasure to meet him. And they all looked at me. Uh, so then I went into the hotel bar there and uh, found my coworkers there at the bar. No surprise. And uh, I was sitting there and this person sidles up beside me to the bar, gets the bartender's attention and says, uh, could I get a, an apple juice? And the bartender goes, apple juice. And he goes, yes. And I realized. It is Marv Albert's father because this there's an elderly gentleman like right next to me. Uh, and I guess it's Marv Albert's father looks. And I realized then that it's actually Marv Albert himself. He just looks that ancient old uh, <laughs> that it could have passed for his father. But yeah, Marv Albert ordered an apple juice beside me. Uh, that's my brush with greatness in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, the in broadcast especially, you don't realize just how much makeup these guys have on when they're doing these play by play games here, Jack. But Peter, uh, you and I both are waiting on tender hooks here on different watches. I am on Aaron watch, uh, Aaron Rodgers watch. You are on baby watch 2023. Glad that you could be here with us today. But also we are very much looking forward to the uh, 
to to the fast facts coming out once uh, once your new son has arrived because <laughs> Jack and I have a great deal of prop bets riding on this. Oh, I like it. Uh, no, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I actually streamed uh, Club Top Shot, which I did right before this uh, when my daughter was born, uh, almost or a little over two years ago from the hospital. So different times now. Uh, Ashley somehow put up with me with with that that moment, which is a lot of fun. But uh, no no streaming from the hospital this time, and excited for the boy to get here. And hopefully, uh, I'll be able to catch a lot of this uh, tournament because it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully his schedule doesn't really coincide, uh, doesn't conflict with your schedule for sports betting here, because there is a ton to get to. Although the funny thing is, everybody loves betting on March Madness, but the reality is this is starting to get towards the end of the good times to bet on college basketball, because now the menu is just that much shorter, that much more shrunken than it was when you had hundreds of basketball teams play in every single Saturday and uh, yet you had some great opportunities, but that doesn't mean there aren't great opportunities to find in the tournament here, both in the big dance, in the NIT, even in the CBI, if you really want to get down into it, if you're one of those people that has that knowledge, but when it comes to the big dance itself, when it comes to some of these bets that we have here, Selection Sunday was obviously the time when a lot of these lines were going to move the most. What kind of value are you still looking to mine on the first round here, Jack? Well, you know, I'm still waiting to see some tournament props show up. Uh, I enjoy betting these every year. I, I talked about in one of my articles that uh, in Stanford Wong Sharp Sports Betting, he first talked about these NCAA March Madness props, and they existed way back in 2000. And uh, so, yeah, I like to play them too. There's a bunch of different things like, you know, how many ACC teams will make the Final Four or uh, Sweet 16 or, you know, total wins by Big Ten teams. So they're kind of a logic puzzle that I like to put together. And then in terms of the actual games that are coming up now, yeah, the lines have started to settle down. There's a, maybe a little bit of injury news that could possibly shake things up a little bit here and there. Uh, I mentioned before that in college, it tends to come out a little bit later. And uh, so I'll, I'll keep an eye on some swings. I'm actually surprised that there were as many edges as there were as lines came up. And I'm looking forward to that happening again on Thursday as those lines, as those games complete and we start to see lines on Saturday games and then Friday for Sunday games. So the, it's a little bit of a cycle that goes through here. And then we whittle down to the sweet 16 and, and there's, there's actually less college basketball played after this weekend. And you talk about some of those be uh, betting props that you're going to be able to get once we see the end of these play in games and we get the actual field all ironed out is there anything in particular that you like to try and go after that you want try to identify as a potential edge? I mean, I, I do like the ones that are based on conference and you kind of just map it out on a spreadsheet. That's what I do anyway, is I go ahead and get a spreadsheet. And then I use uh, our friends at Pool Genius. We had them on Sunday. We had them on last week. Um, Pool Genius slash unabated. PoolGenius.com slash unabated. Uh, I believe you can still get a discount Although we're recording this on Tuesday, and I think our, our unabated discount ends tonight, but you can still go through our link. Uh, the reason I bring up their site is they're really good at kind of narrowing down your probability based on team, and then you can kind of group them together based on conference for, for various props. 
I tend to try to look for as many esoteric props as I can. The weirder, the better, because that's the logic puzzle that a lot of people don't want to bother trying to solve. It, it kind of goes back when we bet those Super Bowl props. And I talked about how cross-sport props are sometimes some low-hanging fruit that stays on the tree longest because guys like Rufus don't want to bother with them. Most bettors are saying, oh, I got to solve two things to win one bet. No, thank you. So I, I tend to look for the most out-of-the-way type of matchup prop that, that'll be posted and set about to try to solve it based on the probabilities and leanings that I have uh, based on the teams involved. And Peter, how about you when it comes to a little bit more of the game-by-game -game basis here? Um, getting into some specifics, are there any teams? I know we talked about on our Sunday show, and if people want to tune in and listen to our our then live March Madness react, uh, Selection Sunday reactions with Jason Lisk from Pool Genius, you can go and check out that episode as well. But now that we have the field set, we've kind of seen the lines settle down. Is there anything that you've been looking at that you've kind of identified as uh, people have been a little bit too high on this team or a little bit too low on this team or perhaps people getting swept up in some of the 512 upsets that everybody loves to predict every year. I, I know that that can always become part of the zeitgeist. Right. Well, I've been mostly look using the edge rusher tool on unabated, um, which has been great for just kind of finding some of these edges um, on individual games. I've seen Gonzaga pop quite a few times and even just pulling it up now. Uh, still seeing some Gonzaga lines out there that are that are interesting. Um, I've seen a lot of totals as well, which we talked about. I think the totals is where I'm most interested in just kind of uh, trying to hunt for lines and, and find edges throughout the tournament. I, I imagine that those will be more inefficient than uh, the sides themselves. But yeah, it's been interesting just kind of following um, the odd screen and seeing what's popping up uh, with the edge rusher tool. And uh, it's been fun to see. There's been quite a few edges and uh, some big ones as well. So uh, depending on what books you have, I've seen some four and 5% edges, which um, is not that common. You normally see kind of in that one to 3% range, which looking right now as we're recording here on Tuesday afternoon, that's where most of them are. But uh, especially in some of the odd times, I've seen some four and 5% edges pop up, which is fantastic. And you mentioned in the totals, uh, in the totals to be looking at there, I've I've hit a couple of them as well. But one thing that gambling Twitter is certainly loving to talk, uh, love to talk about right now, first half unders in this first round. Uh, I guess the logic that they're using is it's kids, they're going to be nervous. There's a period of adjustment to these neutral courts. Is there any is this something that has been true in previous years? Is this is this a thing that has just been conjured up or is there some kind of signal to this, Jack? Um, it's a mix between signal and noise. And I think it's one of these things that was signal. Now it's noise because there has been adjustments made in totals and how they're distributed between first half and second half. There's some theories out there, some, you know, and. I talk about this when we've talked about like how your process on how to find a good bet. You always start with a hypothesis and then try to come up with theories as to why that hypothesis could be true. So this hypothesis that first half unders could be better. Uh, one of the theories is, well, teams, since this is do or die, uh, they will foul a lot more at the end of games. Fouling at the end of the games causes more free throws. Free throws are shot with the clock stopped. Therefore, more points are scored. Um, so look, that's a valid theory, but is that 
reflected in the lines these days? And from what I've seen, yes, it is reflected in the lines. So I'm not so much on this first half under train. There's also been in times past, there's um, first to 15 markets. And I notice a lot of sports books now have first to 10, first to 20, first to 30. Those are very popular with a lot of people. Uh, they like to bet them. They like to kind of gauge tempo of two different teams or gauge offensive performance of two different teams and bet on these first to 15 markets. Uh, there's a, Look, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Um, but my, my official answer to you would be I'm not quite sold in either direction, but I figure it's more noise than signal at this point. Peter, what do you think? Yeah, I think a lot of like the original kind of thesis that and angles that were out there, a lot of them have been talked about now. So I agree with what Jack said. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't try to think of other uh, things and then try to backtest to see if there's other angles. And, you know, sports are evolving. And I know this is a uh, college basketball show for the most part. But, you know, for the, the betters out there, one thing I think is really interesting where a lot of these theories could be lucrative is in baseball coming up. Uh, baseball is a very efficient market, but we have a ton of rule changes to start the year. So if you ever want to say, hey, I think this might play out because of the rule change, you can make some bets on that. And, you know, you can kind of start to see if, if there's some signal there or if there's not. But to me, oftentimes there's opportunities when things change. And uh, I think that, you know, obviously we're focused on March Madness now, but uh, we'll quickly be in the dog days of summer. And if you want to take advantage, there'll be some pretty good opportunities, in my opinion, uh, especially in April when there's a lot of sports going on in the baseball markets. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, we might have some extra baseball content coming to you this summer from Unabated. Stick around for that. I think you'll be expecting an announcement fairly soon, don't you think, Jack? Yes, uh, I would say <laughs> beware of the Ides of March. Indeed. Uh, in terms of when we're starting to announce some of the new things at Unabated, that'll be an exciting time. Absolutely. And for those listening to this now... Odds are it's already the Ides of March, so go and check out some True. of the new some of the new and fun announcements we have coming up. But sticking with March Madness here, another unique thing that we're going to see in this first round a little bit is the fact that we have some of these really high seed versus low seed matchups, and that naturally gives way to some very large point spreads. And do you think that it? Uh, my question for you is something that I was thinking about because I was looking at some of these edges and seeing okay. Uh, I've got an edge here on this team where this book has it at 14 and this book has it at plus 12 and a half. One of the things that might concern me is what you mentioned with the fact that it's a do or die game. Do you think that some of these teams who maybe in a normal game wouldn't foul down a certain amount of points might be inclined to just try as a desperation tactic? Is that something that you see where you can get burned on these little bit larger point spreads of uh, teams opting to foul, even though the situation looks next to hopeless just due to the fact that it is the tournament? I, you know, I would say there's nothing more in a frustrating as a better than college basketball free throws. In the pros, pretty much the worst free throws, you know, outside of some of the the outliers like, like Shaq, um, but the worst are like 70% and the best are like 90%. And so they all exist in that small little range. In college, man, it is a wide distribution. And when you factor in uh, the bonus and the double bonus and the fact that you still have some one-on-one -on -one type free throw setups, there's a lot of different outcomes that can happen when a foul is made late in the game. So 
it can be very frustrating as a better to have to sweat out some somebody having to make a free throw either for you to cover uh, in one one side or the other. Um, now, in terms of do they foul earlier, foul more often in these tournament setups? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't have the data in front of me. I'm sure somebody has done the study on that. You could probably Google around and find somebody who's done a somewhat white paper on on that kind of information. Um, but it does make sense as a hypothesis. Peter, what do you think? I, I would say that can work in both ways, and that can work in your favor too. I mean, you could be taking the underdog and they start playing the foul game earlier and they make some threes and, you know, a game where maybe they normally let them dribble it out, you know, and when they're down 18, they're still playing the foul game a little bit and they get it to 12 or whatever. So it can work both ways. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it's, it's a little bit different circumstance where teams will do stuff that's different in the end of games than they would for a regular season basketball game. And Peter, let's talk a little bit about your process for evaluating some of these games, because like we've mentioned on multiple March Madness shows at this point, this is a weird time where you have teams playing each other that you would never see play each other otherwise. And it can sometimes throw out a whack how you want to evaluate these teams or determine what a line should actually be. What, What are some of the qualities that you are looking for? Maybe in some of these teams that are more mid-majors going up against uh, going up against power five teams, things like that. Basically, where are you looking to try and give yourself an indication of this team is actually better than what their conference play might have suggested? Things like Ken Palm or shot quality. Sure. So this is interesting. And I'd be curious, Jack's perspective, because this year um, it hasn't played out as much as it has in, in previous years where there's a lot of signal in the closing line and some of the line movements in college basketball. In fact, um, we've seen some just kind of fluky and weird stuff throughout the year. I haven't followed from the last, the the conference tournament and and some of the more recent stuff, but broadly, I think there's been a little bit more variance and just uncertainty. That being said, it's still something that I'm going to pay really close attention to. And I think it's something every better can do is just say, okay, here are the teams. Here's where the lines opened. Here's where the lines closed. Here's some teams that clearly uh, sharps and, and people who are moving markets were on, um, or maybe they're just popular sides, um, and, and take that and leverage it for future rounds. So if you see a strong line move in one direction, obviously you don't want to, you know, you may have missed it and, and you don't want to force anything for a bet in this round, but it's some valuable piece of information that you can take into the next round. Um, and that could, you know, obviously be correlated with the person being embarrassed on another team, but I will take note of kind of the line movements throughout the tournament. And that can help kind of dictate what I want to do going forward, especially on futures. Um, the one clarification I just want to make sure people are certain on oftentimes, or, you know, a good percentage of time around half, maybe a little bit more, depending on the circumstance, that line movement may be more an indication of the opponent than the, the, the team that got the line move, but there's still something that, you know, you want to pay attention to, especially with the futures market. Um, and yeah, you try to just kind of evaluate where some of the sharps are on. And then one other thing that is definitely relevant for our audience, check out this bet the process, uh, <laughs> Calcutta. There's a lot of really sharp college basketball people in there. And I'll be very interested to see where there's some sticky bidding on some of these teams. Um, so I'm just trying to gather information. Like we've talked about on other, um, podcasts and live shows. I have not followed college basketball that closely this year, but I'm just trying to gather as much information as I can, uh, to try to make some good bets for the year. Indeed, bet the process uh, with the great Jeff Ma and some other guy that I can't quite remember his name right now. It's been a while since I've run into him. But Jack, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with a couple points that Peter made there. Uh, it has been a bit of a fluky slash less than efficient college basketball market this year. I say that in terms of having got a lot of feedback from a lot of unabated users saying, come on, I'm getting closing line value. I'm not winning. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, it was one of those years where things just weren't as as efficient as in years past. That said, there is plenty of indication that as this tournament rolls on, you can start to see some signal in line movement uh, because based on all of the money that's flowing in on these things, it's not quite as inefficient in the postseason here. Um, and I, I love that idea of checking out the Bet the Process Calcutta. They're filming that tonight. So people listening to this podcast, it's already out. Um, and I believe there is a Twitter account uh, that follows it all along as well. So I think there's there's a lot to learn from that because, yeah, they have some of the sharpest bettors in that Calcutta. And there's they're not just bidding based on the futures market on FanDuel, right? They're not just taking the big free numbers on FanDuel and saying, okay, here's here's my odds of winning this tournament. There's a lot of other things that factor in there. And there's even some prop bets that kind of factor in as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea to kind of follow that. And I'm going to be doing so as well. So let's get into some specific games here now, uh, or rather just trying to talk about some specific teams, maybe getting into that uh, that, that ever murky waters of trying to predict the future here. Peter, are there any teams in the futures market that you might be interested in purchasing a ticket before we get things kicked off here? And do, are you finding that there's more value in the futures market this season because of the fact that there's a lot more parity in college basketball this season than we've seen in seasons past? Or is it the other way where the parity is kind of creating a lack of value for you here? So I haven't made any futures bets right now. Uh, I kind of searched around to see if there's any low hanging fruit. I didn't spend a ton of time and I didn't see anything that was like wildly mispriced, but that's historically, you know, I normally make a couple um, futures bets kind of ideally when I've done this more seriously, I've done more futures bets kind of during the conference championships, but really where there becomes a lot of value is places where you can make futures bets uh, when there's already been some results and just kind of understanding where there might be a little bit more variance in brackets and figuring out, you know, where you can take advantage of that. So I'm looking for some results. Um, there's definitely some teams that I'm targeting. Uh, UCLA seems to be a really polarizing team. Some people are, you know, thinking they might not make a, that big of a run. Some people think that they, you know, are in a really good position to, to win it all. Uh, so that's a team that I'm going to follow closely. I think that, side of the bracket is really, really interesting. There's a lot of compelling teams. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if we see some upsets. And uh, yeah, I just think I'll have a, a better sense in some of these teams that I might want to be bullish on from a futures perspective. Uh, there's a couple sharps in this, this Calcutta that I, I'm curious to see who they end up bidding on. So uh, I'm still in the kind of gathering information mode, picking off games based on the unabated odds screen. And uh, I'll be looking to make some futures bets uh, after we have some results in this initial first round and then for sure in the second round as well. It's my understanding that UCLA might have some injury news that impacts right. that, their... that's, that's the variance that I yeah. think is going to be interesting to so we'll see what happens there. And, and yeah, I'm curious to just kind of follow injuries in general. Now, Jack, how about you when it comes to the futures market, when it comes to Calcutta's or simply trying to mine some value out of that here, do you think that 
the variance that we're looking at this season with all of the parity is going to have a positive or negative effect on the futures uh, market? Uh, I I don't think it's going to be a negative impact in terms of how it plays out. Look, I, you know, and you guys know this. I'm a numbers better. I I can't name uh, a single player in college basketball. I really honestly can't. I'm basically taking a top down approach. Uh, I'm taking an approach of kind of playing some inefficiencies in the market. And so I'm more concerned about the numbers. And so when the the line started to hit the other day on Selection Sunday, uh, I was waiting for some signal from some of the sharper books, some of the market making books that were uh, contributing to the unabated line and reacting off of that. And now as the numbers are getting settled, I realize that the only thing that should really move a number now is probably injury news. And so I can kind of take a leap of faith in, on some of these without even knowing who the players are, what position they are. Even if I saw the injury news, I'm waiting to see the, the screen flash. Um, it's just it's just my approach. Is this the most optimal, efficient approach in betting this sport? No, it's not. But I also, I don't have time to learn how to uh, the intricacies of March Madness and of these teams and of their opponents and of the schemas they run on the court. This is a great approach to be able to say, okay, using the time I've got, using the resources I've got, here's what I can bet confidently. And so let's talk about some of those bets that you could make, maybe not in the first round, but going into the second round. You mentioned how the screen's going to start lighting up on Thursday as those results finish and we get games, we get game lines for Saturday. Peter, how much recency bias do you think is going to play into the way that some of these teams get uh, get priced when it comes to their second round matchups? And how much do you weigh performance in the first round? when you're making your own numbers, or at least when you're evaluating some of these teams and deciding who you might want to take a futures price on or bet in that second round. Well, you make a great point, uh, Tom. I think recency bias will be prevalent. It always is. That's one bias that broadly we can take advantage of. And especially this year where there's so much uncertainty, that's something where I hope I can, you know, a team that barely squeaks by versus a team that had a, you know, a decisive blowout, maybe they shot really well and they're not that good at good of a shooting team, like situations like that I'll look for. But again, I don't have enough of a baseline to say, okay, this team underperformed or overperformed relative to what I expected. I don't have a, a model for this. So I'm still going to be leveraging the odd screen. The thing that I'm most interested from that perspective is again, the futures market where I'm hopeful we'll see some of these inefficiencies as book posts their kind of uh, odds. And a lot of time, the futures market too, to be clear, it's not like the the futures of this team to win it all. Oftentimes it's for them to get to the final four or, you know, to win their next game. Like there's some, so there's some other, not to win their next game, but to, to get out of their uh, bracket to get to the final four. Those are oftentimes where I see the most value um, in the futures markets. And how about, uh, how about when it comes to some of the ways that you're trying to evaluate some of these teams? Because I know we talked about Purdue and their shot quality, uh, how much do you put into uh, put, how much research do you put into things like shot quality when it comes to evaluating some of these teams? Yeah, it's I'm really interested in that website. I've talked to some sharps who are are are, are using it, and uh, I, I certainly think that there's some signal in some of the data. You can't just strictly rely on it. So I'll be curious to see um, kind of how that stuff plays in and and how that data comes into to the website for uh, you know the the first round and the second round. 
um, and throughout the tournament. But yeah, I, I think one theory I have that I think is baked in more now. And a lot of people are talking about is broadly, I want really good guard play, uh, especially um, as we get farther into the tournament with free throws and everything mattering a ton at the end of games. So that'll be another thing that I'll be paying attention to. And uh, a lot of these teams now we're seeing this so much in the NBA and I believe we saw it more in college basketball. They're just getting smarter with their shot selection. So that'll be something I'm paying attention to. And and definitely uh, I'm going to look to the three point variance uh, as well. So we'll see how things come in. And, and uh, I'm curious to see what uh, shot quality has uh, for kind of matchups going forward as we get more data uh, throughout the tournament. And to be clear, when I was talking about shot quality, I was just talking about, you know, the quality of shots, but that's also the website that you are referring to here, uh, for referring to here at shot quality. Yep. Shotquality.com. Um, I think they're doing some really interesting stuff and, uh, yeah, there's definitely, from my perspective, I like that approach and it's something that I've done in MBA in the past is just looking at some of the, the shots that teams are taking and they, they certainly have some, some work to do, but it's uh, something I think is interesting to monitor throughout the the tournament. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here today. Of course, best of luck to everybody when it comes to their tournament bets. And if you want some extra help, another great resource for information and also to help you when it comes to filling out your brackets, poolgenius.com. Use that code. You can find it in the description of this episode, poolgenius.com slash unabated. Um, Hopefully, you're an early bird and somehow watching this on Tuesday so you can still get a little more uh, of a 10% discount on Pool Genius because you're an unabated subscriber. But even if you're not, you can still use the promo code and hop on over there and grab yourself a subscription. I am excited to use it for all of my brackets this tournament. I've been entering every which bracket contest I can find because I, I'm very excited to put the, these tools to the test. And also, I'm excited to use the unabated odds screen like we talked about all episode to find some edges here in the tournament as we progress. Unabated.com. You can go sign up for a subscription today and take advantage for the rest of March Madness and going into baseball because we're going to have plenty more coming at you. But for now, that is going to do it for us. And as always, don't forget, like, subscribe, and share. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about Unabated and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Unabated Sports. Check out the website. Once again, get your subscription today. That'll do it for us here. Best of luck in March Madness. Let's cash some tickets.